It's easy at Sheehy. Sheehy Toyota of Fredericksburg makes it easy. With Sheehy's Easy Search, choose from nearly 1,000 Toyotas in stock. With Easy Trade, get maximum trade in dollars when you upgrade to a new Toyota. And with Sheehy Direct, purchase the way you want, in store or at home. We'll even bring the vehicle to you. Now that's easy. Visit Sheehy Toyota of Fredericksburg off I 95 or at SheehyToyotaFredericksburg.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, so I always appreciate you taking the time just to join in, to listen in with other listeners, and just to be able to have some kind of inspiration, motivation maybe, that can help you in your life's journey. And so I'm so grateful to KPX, um, KPXQ and this station, 1360, because they um, many times will highlight a show. And so they're highlighting my show this week, and you may have heard some of the promo this last week. And I'm very excited to be able to be highlighted by this radio station. It's a wonderful station to work for, and I enjoy it tremendously. So I thought what I would do is maybe introduce to you something you haven't heard before, and maybe you have heard it, but this is a book that I wrote in 2011, and it's called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And I decided to do one of my books because this way, if you like the show, you can certainly buy the book. And you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also go on Amazon. And we have also done it as an audible version. So if you like to listen, you can listen to the book through Audible books. So this really happened in about 2011, and I was invited to be the um, guest speaker at one of the largest churches in U- Uganda, uh, Kampala, Uganda. And so I really was struggling with, wow, these our cultures are so different, the way they live, the way I live. I was wondering, what could I possibly give to these people? What kind of insight? And the most amazing thing happened Because as soon as I thought this, I opened up my Bible, and it was the 11th chapter of John, which is the story of Lazarus. And I was very surprised, and I thought, wow, how could someone half a, you know, half a world away with 
a life that is so contradictory to mine, be fed by that story, the story of Lazarus. And what I was, what I was anticipating, you know, quite happily, was, was going to this church and being able to possibly minister to these people. But I wasn't really happy about writing the presentation. See, I, I, am, I love speaking. I love doing it in person. But writing is really a difficult thing for me to do. I have a tendency to do run-on sentences and write way too much. And I, every time I write something, I get another idea. And so this, this was difficult, but God really, really helped. And writing this presentation really was one of the toughest things I've ever done. I've written some other books besides this one, but this one just really about killed me, which is exactly what I was writing about. And so when I started writing, I got the entire message in 45 minutes, clearly, God happened. I mean, he gave me this particular message to share with people in Africa first, and now I share it with all of you on this show and through the writing of this book. So the impetus of the message was John 11, verse 35. And this is the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's one of the longest and deepest examples of verses that God really shows God's concern and compassion and sympathy for the plight of his people, especially those who do not know the outcome as he does. And this verse simply reads, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was so moved by the plight of humans, by the struggles that humans had, knowing the future that was also coming for them, what they might have to endure, that it caused him to weep. So when I took this message to Africa, I told it to the people. These people didn't have running water. Many of them were dying from AIDS. There was a huge AIDS epidemic at that time in Uganda. And as I spoke one night, I looked out and saw that the church was being guarded by machine gun laden police officers. And this was due to the political unrest in this country. So when I shared with them, that I earn my living by talking to people who are unhappy, depressed, anxious, traumatized. They have things going on in their life they don't know how to handle. The African people really just could not comprehend the problems that Americans might have. Because Ugandans are, are living day to day. They don't have doctors. Trying to even get into the hospital is an endeavor. You probably have to know someone and pay a lot of money. And so this was amazing for them to think that the American people, while their problems were different, might share some of the same angst, some of the same struggles and emotional feelings that the African people were going to be expressing. So we have to understand that if we're honest with ourselves, would we be the first people to tell Ugandans that money or peace or even health can't buy joy? Could you imagine? See, because to them it really can. To us, our struggles and our pain are very different than the African people. Our struggles and our pain are very survival-driven, but it has more to do with quality of life, just as the Ugandans pe Ugandan people do. But our quality of life has more to do with how we feel emotionally how we look, who we know, what kind of car we drive. 
etc. And so we want to think about the fact that our, our physical needs are pretty much met. And in our comfort, we become kind of keenly aware that maybe our inner world is a disaster. Maybe there are wars inside the, our minds. And when we take the time and the energy, we find that we hunger and we thirst and we are also dying, if we're honest with ourselves. So while I don't have the answers to end world hunger or spread peace throughout the earth, I certainly can address this inner turbulence that we all face through the message that God revealed to me this morning, this early morning. Now, whether you are as distressed as a Ugandan looking for meaning in the midst of great difficulty, or you're a comfortable American searching for the ever-elusive happiness, I think this can really help you put off whatever's weighing you down so that you can come closer to becoming truly the best version of yourself, the person that God created you to be. See, remember, we're not just subject to the whims of a sin-stained deity. Instead, he's perfect. He's all-knowing. And even when it comes to the trickiest areas of our lives, he is there and knows what to do. So I didn't intend for this book when I was writing it to be a religious message, but it certainly is inspired by God. And it is based on principles that he's established in his world. So wherever you are, wherever you place your trust, whoever you follow, this way is the same. These are the same answers for everyone at any point in their life that has any type of religion or not and is on the planet. See, you, you don't have to believe in God to benefit from these insights. Just know that what I have to tell you is simply the only successful way I have ever come across to live an abundant life that is truly possible for every human being on this planet, no matter what their circumstances are. And you might say, you know, even me? Even me, you may wonder. Well, maybe you're facing deep-seated, dark internal pain you've only just begun maybe to sort through or, or actually admit to. And maybe you're more concerned about physical safety. It could be that your life appears to be in working order, but maybe if somebody pulled the curtain back, they'd find that it's not working at all. Maybe your life is just a bundle of messes that no one, not even a higher power, you think could simply sort it out. So I want to really have us consider, there's always someone who has it worse, right? You've heard this before, but I want you to think about and listen to the story of this one Holocaust survivor. And this is the Austri Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl. Now, he's got a phenomenal book that you will, uh, uh, many, actually. So like millions of other people, he was exposed to hellish atrocities on a daily basis, not much more than maybe, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago. Now, he survived incredibly his hope in hum humanity survived as well. So he was not, you know, he wasn't turning a blind eye. And he wasn't clinging to what he knew was good and finding meaning where it looked to others like there was none. The point is, he had it worse than all of us could ever have, and he somehow managed to rise above and discover the abundant life that God had for him, even in a place of atrocities 
and death. Now, this isn't something we can do on our own. But God wants us to help. He wants to help us discover the unique way that he will help us get to the point so that we can become our best version. And, and we become closer to what the designer had in mind for us. And, you, you know, you do this for your computer by regularly installing updates, you know, so that it operates better, right? So we're going to update ourselves in the same way. So I know that I'm going to spend eternity with God, and I will never know fully or fully comprehend the pain and anguish that he felt over the bondage and the abuse of his people. So one of the most moving and meaningful verses is Psalm 69:33, and it says, The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. That verse gives me so much hope. He doesn't despise me in the circumstances I find myself in or even created for myself. And he hears me. He hears my cry. So the Message Bible, in that last verse in 33, he says he doesn't walk out on the wretched. So he's not mad at us for living dead. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this abundant life that is actually very possible. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about how much God wants you to be truly living and not walking dead. And this came from a message that I created when I went to Uganda for the first time and spoke to the African people. And this book changed my life. It was one of the hardest books I have ever written But it really had some deep and very meaningful insights for me. And so we left off in that last segment with the verse in Psalm 6933. And it says, The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. So I don't know about you, but I've been captivated by many things in my life. And when I mean captivated, I don't mean it in a positive manner. I mean, I've been held hostage by my own behaviors, my own thoughts, circumstances that have occurred, maybe experiences that I've had with other people, wants, hopes, dreams. I've been held captive by them. And so in the Message Bible, it says the last line of 30 verse, verse um, that Psalm 69, it says, he doesn't walk out on the wretched. And that tells me, excuse me, that he's not mad at us for living dead and not knowing how to desire and love life as he knows it. He's not mad at us for being enslaved to things that cause us to be the walking dead. Now, there's, you know, that great show, The Walking Dead. And, And I want you to think about this. How much are you walking dead? When you think about the living dead... See, God wants us fully living, fully alive. So he's not mad at us for living this way, being enslaved to things that cause us to live dead. He's brokenhearted and he's grieved and he's angry at what has happened to his world and his children. See, God hates death. So he wants to give us back the life that is continuously being stolen from us, either by our own sin, the sins of the world, or by the great oppressor, we know as the devil. 
And so when we think about this, we say to ourselves, life will still be life. We live on earth. We don't live in heaven. And I often say to my clients and myself that if we're believers, this is the closest to hell we ever get. But if we are not allowing this world to bring us to Christ, this is the closest to heaven we will ever get. So when we have Jesus within us, we get to experience him and others. We need this heaven on earth, and Jesus understood this, and that's why he died. So the good news is that it is possible to have God's kingdom come to your life if and when you will say, his will be done. So it just might not look like heaven as we imagine it, or even wish it to be, but God, I have found, does more, immeasurably more than I could ever hope for or imagine. And so we still face difficulties, but the difference is that once you've allowed God to overcome the thing that's killing you and holding you back from the life you're meant to live, you will experience the unbinding of your soul in a way that you've never experienced before. It's this God-given freedom that will give you hope and joy and love in the midst of whatever life may be bringing to you or giving to you. And so I want you to discover and to search out God's way of uniquely manifesting his will in your life. So let's look a little bit more deeply at this. Let's think about this. A life beyond your wildest dreams. I mean, I know you've heard that before. We, see, we have fairy tales about this. But I want to go through how this really came to pass. So he says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That's Acts chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. See, God can do anything, you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess, even request in your wildest dreams. And this is what's so beautiful. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And that's Ephesians 3.20. Now, John 10.10, this is out of the Amplified Version. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. So what is life? I mean, more specifically, what's an ideal life? An abundant one. One that fits and works and satisfies, even when the world around us is going crazy and haywire, as it so often is. So what does a life like that even look like? Well, one of the most remarkable things about the most abundant life that was ever lived by our perfect example is Jesus Christ. Most of us would say that except for his first few years, his life was pretty unremarkable. He was a carpenter from a poor town. Nothing about that screams abundant. But more than that, even the most notable years of Jesus' life the ones written about weren't something that most people would have desired. He had little wealth. He held on to, and, and he was usually traveling, and, and 
through highly undesirable places as well, such as Samaria. So he was often tired. He was surrounded by crowds, and he was expected to speak and heal and feed people. People whined to him and belittled him and battled him and turned on him. And what we want to say is, well, at least he had his health until he was led away to be beaten, crucified, and killed by the means of one of the most horrific deaths practiced in all of history. Most people that were put on a cross were hung there with rope. Jesus had nails through his feet and hands. So no, no one on the outside would, you know, we wouldn't consider Jesus' life to be complete, particularly abundant. Many of us would say that about our own. Yet if Jesus was sent by God, presumably not only to save us from death, but to teach us how to really live, we can assume that he and God considered his life to be abundant. Ideal, in fact. I mean, that, that's kind of a scary thought. So in this world, Jesus didn't necessarily have power, prestige, popularity, success, good looks, or wealth. But interestingly enough, these are the things that our society counts when they tally up an abundant life. We believe that these things are where happiness lies. So think about that. Happiness lies. How interesting to see those two words side by side. Happiness, lives. What lives? What an oxymoron. While we all experience happiness, maybe throughout our lives, the pursuit of it often leads us astray. Think about holding water in your hands. You, you have to work really hard at it. It's really hard, only, and only in a matter of time it finds its way out. And, and meanwhile, you've wasted your time trying to hold water in your hands. So there's nothing wrong with feeling good. But God has much better goals for us than simply being happy. He realizes that there's no greater joy than being in sync with your purpose. In sync with your purpose. So we're back to the beginning. Why are you here? Why were you born? Why are you alive? Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the life that God truly wants you to have. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. We are right at the half hour, so we have a half hour more to go. And we are talking about the fact that God wants you truly living and not walking dead. And so this is from a book that I wrote, and I was very thankful to the radio station for highlighting my show this week and wanted to give you a show that also had an accompanying book that you could certainly order online. You can go to Amazon. You can go to my website. You can contact me directly if you'd like the book in its entirety. But this is really about the journey to God's abundant life. And it begins with the death of the things that are secretly killing us. So we have this juxtaposition inside of us. We're doing things to live well at the same time we're doing things that are killing us. So let's look at the abundant life of Jesus. He certainly didn't pursue happiness. So I am not against happy. I like being happy. However, the pursuit of happiness, the Bible has a lot to say about people that simply pursue happiness. 
and what happens. We also know Jesus was a man of sorrows. Yet no one could confidently claim that he left this earth unfulfilled, anxious, anxious, hopeless, depressed, or angry. See, many of those things that we battle on a daily basis, even though these were a part of his life, but his circumstances were never easy, yet his mind was generally at ease. How can this be? Now, from a psychological standpoint, here's what we know. Here's what I found to be true, that these were some psychological things that helped him have a very abundant, meaningful, rich life that he also enjoyed very much. So the first thing was he was free. See, Jesus was free because he understood his, his power to choose God and that God can set us up to be free. God can set us free and set us up to be free. But we have to choose to live freely and choose not to succumb to captivity. And you know, there are many studies, many, many books, many movies that talk about freedom versus captivity and why some people choose captivity. It's certainly easier in many ways. And choosing to be free has quite a price. But it's so very worth it. And we're seeing this even, even now in our own country, what it means to be free or not. And that we may be fighting that battle again the same way that our forefathers did. So let's think about this. He chose to use his free will. Jesus chose to use his free will to submit to God's will instead of his own self-will. Now, that statement right there changed everything for me. When God revealed that idea to me, and he said, here's the secret of freedom. Do you want my will or your will? Who would you rather be in captivity toward, yourself or me? And so this says when we submit to God's will, trusting that his will is always best, that he knows best, he died for us. He wants us to have an abundant life. And he says, if you'll submit to that, if you'll give me your free will, if you will submit to my will by freely giving it to me, then I will give you freedom. And so instead of trying to tie him down, instead of this tying Jesus down, it, it only gave him more freedom from the constraints of the world and what the world was placing on him. So if we are free, then we are free indeed. And our freedom, we can use to submit to God's will instead of our own self-will. So what we're going to talk about in the next segment is another issue that Jesus did that helped him be free. And that is that he had a deep and meaningful relationship with his Creator. See, he enjoyed this vertical relationship with God, and it fueled his life, including his relationship with others. Now, we've done many shows on needing to be seen, needing to be heard, needing to be valued, needing to be connected. This is, these are human needs. When we have a deep relationship with the one that created us, many of these needs are met, not completely, because we're human. But what happens 
is the pressure we put on humans for those needs is lessened because a lot of what is being filled is from God. And when we get that filled from God, we have more appropriate expectations on humans. And we don't expect things from them that maybe only God can do. So not only did he have a deep and meaningful relationship with his creator, but he had deep and meaningful relationships with other humans. So join me in the last segment as we talk more about what has to die in order for you to truly live. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, you can listen to the show in its entirety on any of your favorite podcast servers. You can also go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also go to the KPXQ 1360 website, and it's, it's online as well through that. So we are talking today about the fact that God wants you truly living and not walking dead which means freedom, but freedom always has a price. Somebody has to pay for freedom. And what we find in the scriptures is that's exactly what God did with Jesus. He paid for our freedom so that we could be free. So we're talking about these things that really helps us see how Jesus was free. And the biggest one is that he was free because he had the power to choose God. See, it's interesting, we just, we just assume that Jesus chose God, but we see throughout the scriptures that there were many temptations that, that Christ had, and he still chose God. See, God can set us free, but we have to choose to live freely and not choose to succumb to captivity. So Jesus chose to use his free will to submit to God's will instead of his own self-will and what he thought would get him what he needed. So he also had that deep and meaningful creation relationship with his creator. And this is where I want to really encourage you to understand where you came from, not just physically by your own birth parents, although that helps. I know, I know that when I found my, well, actually my husband found my biological parents, and it helped me tremendously understand myself better. The more you know God as your creator, the more you will understand you. And the more that you will appreciate how God made you. So the other thing is, Jesus had deep and meaningful relationships with other humans. See, we can't live alone. Humans are not intended to be alone. So people cease to thrive if they're disconnected from other people. This is why... Solitary confinement in prisons is one of the worst types of prison experiences. So as God's children, we are provided with relationship. But as we grow, we need to maintain those relationships. So if we want to be liked, I say to people, listen, if you want to be liked, be likable. If you want to be loved, be lovable. Now that doesn't mean that I have complete control over whether people like and love me. But it is kind of a nice gift that I give to people when I make it easier on them to like me and love me. So Jesus was willing to lay his life down for his friends and even his enemies. And he died to himself daily 
as he related to people on earth, no matter how sad, angry, or tired he felt. Or they made him feel, right? So he also had a clear conscience, never betraying his own value system. And we have done many shows on that. Because this is one of the things that causes soul sickness, is if I don't have a clear conscience, if I have betrayed and continue to betray what I know is most important to me. So if you hold certain moral standards and you betray yourself, you're going to have a difficult time accepting yourself. You're going to want to get away from yourself. And we have a lot of people that are always trying to get away from themselves. And they do this through many things, addictions, through sleeping, maybe uh, watching too much television, pushing people away on purpose, even suicide. And so he was the perfect example of what humans were supposed to be like before Adam and Eve fell. So the other thing, he realized his value was based solely on being loved by his father. Now, he did miracles, but he didn't get value so much from that. He realized that was a talent. It was a gift that God gave to him in order to help God's people. So he truly knew his value was simply because the Father loved him. The Father valued him. And I say this to clients so often. I say, you know, how, how much do you value your pets? And what do they really do for you? They don't make any money. They cost money. They don't clean your house, right? They, in fact, make your house probably dirty. They don't make your life necessarily easier, other than they are so enjoyable and you love them so much. Well, I'm not saying we're pets to God because we're not. But it's similar. See, Jesus didn't get identity from how the world felt about him. He didn't get it from wealth or good looks or any of that. What he did was knew that his value came strictly from the creator of the universe. That means that no human can take it from me. So we've talked about the $100 bill before and this analogy. Think about a $100 bill. If you found one on the, on the street and it was dirty and had been run over by cars, would you pick it up? Yes. If you found out that the $100 that someone gave you was stolen from somebody, would you decline the $100 bill? No, you can't find the person it was stolen from. The $100 is $100, no matter how it was used. What if it was used to buy drugs? There are many <laughs> pieces of money in all kinds of stores that have been used in a very unscrupulous manner. So there's a lot of things that a $100 bill can be used for that is very nefarious, that is disgusting even. But does it take its value away? No. $100 is $100. Regardless of whether it's been spit on, used to buy drugs, used, uh, stolen, whatever it might be. So you have to understand that your value is not based on what you've done, where you've been, what you've gotten involved in. Your value is always valuable to God and to the rest of humans. And I say this, I tell clients frequently, you know, when we have um, anyone on death row in prison and it's time for them to be executed, 
there's a lot of rules that go go in that that whole entire process because the prison you know warden anyone that's helping with that execution if they do it wrong and that prisoner suffers that death there's a lot to pay for but think about that we're valuing the life of a prisoner that we're executing that's how valuable human life is so lastly and most importantly he had meaning and purpose <clears throat> now what does that mean see we are slaves to whatever masters us that second peter 2:19 and this is when victor frankl really learned in in the book that he wrote man's search for meaning it has more to do with what i think how i feel about me and do i know my creator so frankl's most poignantly described piece of this was when the prisoners who gave up on life and had lost all hope for any future they were the first to die and nietzsche he says it best he says he who has a why to live can bear almost any how to live so jesus wasn't held captive or hostage to his own self-will he used his free will as a mortal man to do god's will Victor Frankl's focus and concern was not on why most died, but how anyone could even survive. He focused on how to survive. And his Auschwitz experience reinforced one of these key ideas that life is not the quest for pleasure, as Sigmund Freud believed, or the quest for power, as Adler surmised, but it's the quest for meaning. Why are you here? And the thing that I am constantly working on with clients is that why are you here? Why are you here? And the best way to figure that out is not based on your intelligence, on even on any of your talents necessarily, or your looks, or who you know, or when you were born in in this in this whole cosmic framework. But it's why are you why were you born? Why are you here? And that goes to the issue of your creator. Have you asked God why you are here? What I have found is when I do why God created me, I am far more happier. Now I have other talents and abilities that I enjoy and thought those were maybe why I was here, but they didn't bring the enjoyment and the meaning and the purpose that my life's work as a therapist has done. And so we have to say, wow, Jesus was able to endure how he had to live, which was not comfortable, because he knew the why of his life. He knew why he was alive. And so we're prisoners to the wards of life down here. We're, the only way to be free is through God, but we have to choose it. So Jesus fulfilled the very thing he was uniquely created to do without apologizing, and that's to revolutionize people's relationships with God or provide an opportunity for a relationship if it wasn't already there. I don't think that we can claim that he was happy 100% of the time. But if he ever regretted his actions, he could have tried to save his own life at any any of these opportunities he had been given, and there were many. And he showed none of the anxiety, anger, and all the rest of the emotions that so many of us live with on a daily basis. So to pass through life while accomplishing one's mission 
and leave it with no regrets. The life of Jesus was abundant indeed. So what does this mean for you and me? How can we allow God to infuse us, in us, this abundant life that Jesus walked? See, many of us are, are willing and probably wanting. But to do all of the above is difficult. So here, Jesus took one life step at a time. So in order to enjoy the abundant life, we need to live in the moment that we are in. This is the only moment we're actually given. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. So Jesus took his life one step at a time. And this is one of the most powerful things that Jesus did, is the moment he was in, he savored. But more than anything, he was willing to lose his life entirely to gain it. And this is what has to happen for you and I. I have to be willing to die to the thing that's killing me. What is taking life from me? And, and the thing that we'll find is that some of the things that we pursue, some of the habits that we have, some of the, the different things that we, uh, that, that we purport to believe in, they might sound good, especially in the world's eyes. But are they causing us to be free? Or are they binding us up even more? So we want to say to God very clearly, I want the abundant life that Christ died for. <clears throat> the one that he worked so hard at living perfectly and dying so that I could live. So what has to die in me in order for me to truly live? Because I can't have both. That's the problem. And humans, typically, we want both, don't we? And this is where we want to say, wow, Jesus denied himself, his own comfort, and refused to do so many things that he was able to do simply to show and prove people he was God. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for listening to some of, the, of what this book is about. You can go online. You can go to Amazon.com and order the book, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. <laughs>